0: You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Welcome in to this Thursday edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East I cover the team for the West Side Community News and Forbes, and boy oh boy. Was it a crazy day in Pacerland? They made a move, and it's going to be like the sixth biggest story of the day because Herb Simon spoke to reporters for the first time in a long time. In fact, so long that I've been on this beat since the end of their playoff series against the Cavs in 2016-17, and I have never spoken to Herb Simon, ever. So that was it was a crazy day. Uh, Five reporters in the room with him for 45 minutes. So lots to talk to about that, and then the Pacers went out right after Herb Simon talked about liking his team and got absolutely decimated by the Bucks without Giannis, without Chris Middleton. It was a really strange day in Pacerline. And joining me to talk about that 45-minute meeting, one of the only other people in the room, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files, has been on the beat for a while and has talked to Herb Simon before me. Scott, what a day it's been.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Tony. Good to be on with you. But there's so much to take away, I think, from that long conversation, right?
1: Agreed. I think that, well, I honestly... Beyond the takeaway specifically, I think the fact that the conversation was had at all is a big part of the story that Herb Simon felt like he needed to tell the story in his way because of the way things were going for this team.
0: Yeah, I would completely agree. And that's kind of what I was hinting at or really said in my story is it was time for ownership to take ownership of the situation. Because for so long, and it's not specific to what has transpired in the last week, it's everything that goes back to... Signing a restricted free agent, Malcolm Brogdon and hearing the book side of things, plus then additional reporting and then all the different other things, basically in the last decade, at least. And that's been my time on the beat. It's been very limited. Uh, I think I had one on the record conversation with him and that was it. Um, I think the last I think the last on the record conversation he's done with local reporters is one I can remember Probably about the time you came on the beat, I think it was 2016. So contrast that with some of the more outspoken leaders in the NBA, Mark and Joe Lacob, they were the two, first two that came to mind for me. There's many others. There's been someone like Jeannie Buss, who felt like two years ago did every single podcast that wanted her. Um, or take it local, Tony, and and Colts with Jim Irsay. I'm pretty sure he talks after almost every Colts game, at least every Colts win. And I'm not saying he needs to do any of that, but honestly, I almost feel like it should be pretty much a requirement, pretty essentially, for an owner like this to talk twice a year. I don't think that's asking very much just in terms of your thoughts on the team, the direction of the team, maybe why you made a coaching change or why you hired a new president or GM if that happens. So I thought that was important.
1: Yeah, that's something I always try to bring up and remind people sometimes around the times of lots of trade and free agent speculation is that yes and we'll get to actually Kevin Pritchard having a lot of autonomy in his job but yes Kevin Pritchard's job is to build a winner but he also works for Herb Simon and Herb Simon is his boss right like it's not just like he's going out every day and going how do I build a championship contender he has a list of you know uh, parameters that it has to be within or a list of whatever he works for someone and that is always important and we met with the someone today who has no one telling him what to do. No gears being pulled. He is the decision maker. That's why it's so critical. And for those unaware at this point, uh, Scott's story already up. Greg Doyle's story up. I think Kravitz's story up. Mine is not yet because I'm obviously the slowest of the group in terms of actually putting thoughts on paper. But I give a few the, things to do otherwise. So. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, the reason we this was called or at least the reason Herb said he called this in was because his name has been printed uh, in reports that said he was thinking a certain way. And he didn't feel like he thought that way. And uh, I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. He's referring to the yeah. athletic story that says but, Herb, By the way,
0: Tony, don't you love the like old guy thing? And I don't just mean Herb here. I mean, like even my dad, anything that's written, it's the paper. I read that yeah, in the paper yeah. and it might be on Twitter and it might be on online, but I read that in the paper. Sorry. I, I always get a kick out of that.
1: Yeah. Herb called the athletic, the paper, which it, ironically, they talked about destroying the paper in their mission statement when they were founded, which makes it even funnier. Um, so yeah, th- that's what he brought us in for, and he, you know, very publicly on the record, didn't didn't shy away from saying maybe we'll make moves if that's what this comes to or that's how this goes, but was like, no, we're not thinking rebuild, and that's the guy to hear that from. So were you surprised at all to hear that from him? I mean, I think we've kind of figured out between the lines that rebuild is not necessarily the right word for the Pacers anyway, but for him to come out so strongly on that was pretty surprising to me. I was not surprised because
0: it's more geared towards that last point, Tony. I think when I and others uh, read that original story and, and tried to learn more, I was like, I've, I've heard nothing about what I think of as a rebu- uh, rebuild or some to the ex- far extreme as tanking. You're never going to teams can't talk about that or, or mention that. And generally, that's, that's a harsh thing that very few teams have done that's talking about the 76ers, right? And that was four or five years. That would never be functional. I w- I don't even think a true rebuild of, of tearing it all apart would ever even be functional here. But when I read that and I, I looked back at that story and it, it essentially pointed to that. And so that, I think, through the 41-minute conversation was the gist of what Herb was trying to show here is, hey, look, I I can't tolerate this. In fact, I'm embarrassed if people even mention my name with this. He, t- he t- almost took offense uh, that his name and, and a huge rebuild was in the same vein because he would never do that. And, and I liked his thought here is he was like, look, I don't want to watch that basketball. So why should you pay for it? Um, so that's what I think he got out of it and what he was trying to push. But obviously there were several other key talking points with us as well
1: yeah that my headline is the follow-up talking point he made and the words he said were we're not rebuilding we're building on the go and that's not yep build on the go is the words he used and i i've kind of figured trying to figure out what that means (laughs) in the context of what we know about the pacers right now but to me that interpretation is he still wants to kind of see what's going to happen over the next month or so they got walloped about six hours after he he did this call. that The, the, the Bucs completely embarrassed them without Giannis or Chris Middleton. But that's that's what he kind of wants. And that's what he's always wanted. We know that about Herb Simon. He likes his teams to be competitive. If he said this to us, right? He likes to watch his team every night be good and trying to win. And the, the this is where the rubber meets the road with fans is there's, no, there's a point where – like that's okay when you're the Nate McMillan teams that are winning 48 games and try really hard every night and are drawing a crowd and are fun and have Vic. That's not as much okay in a season like this – and last year, when you go 34 and 38 and now you're 12 and 18 and you're you're not drawing a crowd and you're not winning that much and you're not putting your foot down 100% every night, That that is not what he's saying he wants as a team despite – well, let me rephrase that. That's not the team he says he wants to watch every night, which is where kind of the fan and him have, have a, a break in the thoughts.
0: Yeah, and I, th- the other takeaways in all of this was just – how seemingly he came across unconcerned with some of the big issues, like yeah. mostly unaware of the or really didn't have a good handle, maybe the better way of put it, of the concern with local TV issues and the fact that I'm I'm curious now. I don't know if he reads my work, but he mentioned the 15% number and I put that out there last week. So I'm curious, or maybe we're just getting it from the same person. But the fact that roughly 15% of people can't stream pacer games. I know I can't without a hookup through the NBA and getting the league pass and such. And so otherwise, you know, I got YouTube TV. I'd be one of those. I'm not getting, I can't get Comcast. All that's restricted, even in my building. That was very concerning. We had to inform him about what Mark Cuban did there. And and I'm actually surprised Cuban hadn't sent out, basically, he's a great emailer. I'm surprised he hadn't sent out whatever the, uh, a mass email to his other owners about, it either working or not don't follow my lead, that type of thing. So there was that. And then kind of the, 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 the striking one to me, Tony, and I'm sure it was for you as well is how he was misguided. And in my opinion, in his thought about free agency, even his president and general manager have talked about, Hey, look, we got to work on the edges. We got to hit on the draft and we got to maximize what we can do via trades because we don't attract top free agents. They have tried, And they've been unsuccessful. And yet he believes they could attract like an all NBA caliber player. Um, As long as like climate's not a factor, is basically what he was saying. That was the only thing that I was like, oh, watch yourself. I I think you're totally wrong here.
1: Yeah. uh, It's the TV thing. I mean, those are surprising answers as well that, you know, the Cuban thing, he hadn't even heard of it before, right? And, And you asked about, you know, the Brogdon trade and his conversations with Bucks ownership, right? And not to get too into the weeds on that specific part of the conversation, but that part does show to me he talks with their owners, right? Like, so they do have those lines of communication. So the fact that this Cuban thing where, for those unaware, he spent like $3 million, a little more than that, to, to get Mavs fans access or a cheaper deal to stream Mavs games via Val- Valley Sports Southwest. I forget what theirs is called. But, yeah, yeah. Um, that, Basically, that's he's paying fifty dollars per anyone that signs up to watch right. Mavs games. Up
0: to he wants 000. people to
1: watch the maps. That I I think as an owner, that's a good investment to have people watch the team that you own. So, Tony, that, it's marketing. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So that's why he did it. Herb never heard of it before. That was surprising to me, especially as he talked about you know the Warriors game Monday night, how he was not thrilled that there were a ton of Warriors fans in the building. But, yeah, great but Doyle. Did you notice? Sorry to interrupt, but You're the good. lines keep coming to me. me too. But <laughs> as long as they're paying customers, I'm happy. That's what he said. Yes, it is. Hey, guys, quick little break here to talk to you about the good folks over at Prize Picks. You've been hearing me talk about four months. Have you signed up yet? Because Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. They have the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offer all the superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. They offer any prop you can think of, assists, rebounds, made threes. You got it. They've got it. And all the users that deposit and use our promo code will receive a 100% instant match deposit up to $100. Just be sure to use the promo code NBA when you sign up. Sign up They allow mixed sport entries. They have an award-winning app on the App Store and Google Play. You can make your entries quick, and they're safe and offer fast withdrawals. So go check them out. PrizePix.com. Use that promo code NBA today on your App Store. Download the app. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Uh, to the point about the stars, Greg Doyle mid not mid answer I guess no one interrupted him but immediately pushed back and said you know I, I don't know if you know I think Herb's exact words were like top three guys or the top four guys in the league is like the cutoff of where he thinks they can't get someone which is <laughs> hilarious just because of what we know of the NBA and the Pacers and Greg pushed back and was like I I don't know about that and you know. To be fair, we don't we don't have like a ton of evidence uh in the last like decade of the time that they've had a bunch of cap space and a stars have been available to know exactly how those conversations would go. But we have a pretty damn good idea given what players like the landscape of the league in general, who's picked Indiana in the past before like Brogdon and David West are their two best free agents ever probably. Like it, it's pretty crazy. So I was stunned how far off that was and from what I feel like reality is, and he obviously has more information than me. I'm not going to be like, this idiot, what is he th- talking about? He owns the team. Like He has more information than me. He knows the conversations better than me. But that was surprising to me from what I know of players and how the league has kind of generally worked. And the Pacers have never been able to attract that kind of guy. And their records of the last, basically since they traded Paul George, kind of shows it. Yeah, I've never
0: heard from a player or agent say, man, I-, I can't believe it. He wanted to come to Indiana, and we didn't even get a phone call. Like <laughs> right. the one, the one kind of exception, but it's a whole different ball game because he was under contract with the Celtics. Is Gordon Hayward wanted to come here? He was waving the red flag. Hey, look, I'm over here. Looks, trade for me. I promise, I want to be here. Danny Ainge wouldn't let that happen. Essentially, other other than that, no other name comes to mind of a guy that wanted an interview or wanted to see the place or anything like that.
1: So the opportunities have not been there. I agree with that. And to the point about free agents in general, there is actually one thing he said that I I don't think fans think about that much with regards to spending and the tax. First of all, they couldn't have spent more money than they did at all this year anyway. I'm not mm-hmm. going to get into CBA crap. I just get annoyed by some stupid talking points. But something See, that he are-
0: doesn't spend. You know this. He doesn't spend, so they say. And as you yeah, like you're saying. It's not not a true or accurate whatsoever.
1: Yeah, well, they he did. He spent on Carlisle. He has a new stadium. He's got the new complex. I don't know what the right word is. The stuff going next to the arena, the ice skating rink, and all the vendors and stuff. I don't know what the perfect word is. The practice facility is nice as hell, as you all put. And I think you and Greg put it in your story about like the glimmer of the new carpets. Like it looks futuristic. That you know, it, it's really nice in there, right? Like
0: he does. I said do- I was, yeah, I said how was still sparkling, but boy, that was privately financed, and I forget off the top of my head how much, but. Of the renovations, most of that was the city kicking in, but yes, he did yeah. put a little bit in there. So, so it does deserve some notoriety where I've been told they're cheap is in other ways and with family, with food, with travel, those sort of things kind of feels like they're flying spirit airlines, not Delta first class over here. And that's what is more concerning, not that they won't, you know, spend to the cap because clearly they've, they're almost exclusively over the cap every single year.
1: Yeah. They are I, I, my cap sheet. I keep every year, like as a tab mm-hmm. saved in my Excel, and they're over, they've been over every year since I started doing that. Yeah, the thing about that kind of spending, and he's right, he does spend money on those things, and it does sort of attract players and like they talk about how nice the practice facility really is. Fans don't care; they don't see it. They're not there, right? They only care about the games <laughs> and the wins, right? By the way, neither do players anymore.
0: Essentially, yeah. For, you know all those superstars. Whatever happened to visits, right? Instead, two minutes after the. A free agency talking period starts, X players reached agreement with a team. Two minutes. Those, visit, those visits are gone now. It's like two so seconds. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that used to be a thing. Hey, right. let's show them around the practice facility, take him out to St. Elmo's. That doesn't happen anymore. Most guys, quite honestly, even guys on the edges like we talk about right now, they're just taking the best deal possible.
1: Yeah, uh yeah, it's fascinating how much it's changed. Like we're we're only like what, 3 or 4 years removed from them trapping DeAndre, trapping DeAndre Jordan in the house during his meeting oh, tour when he went to That the house was peak like, NBA Twitter right there. That, that in fantastic.
0: that in the uh, locker room incident out in the Staples Center. You know, oh, Through the, the, the tunnel, tunnels? the back door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was legendary. And then guess what, the first time I was
1: back at Staples Center, I found that door and you know, <laughs> I was like shit, I got this is awesome. I should have found out. I've actually never been in Staples before. That's a, that's a need to go. now it's no longer Staples Center. That's, that's true. What, Center. Well, it, wait, doesn't it not change to the... I'm not even going to pretend like I know what the crypto the stadium crypto. is. Crypto.com, right? Isn't it Christmas, though, when it changes? Maybe I'm wrong. They it. took down the signage, though. No. Emblematic. What so else stood out to you about this? I mean, we talked for 41 minutes, and a lot of our themes were the same. Or like We went back yeah. to stuff we talked about earlier. My questions that I wrote down specifically that I wanted to ask were... Um, where do you feel like the team is headed? Like, do you like the direction? And that was like, all of our questions were kind of adjacent to that. And my second one I thought was important was what's your relationship with Kevin like? And I thought that, and the way he talked about Kevin in general, Kevin Pritchard, I should have said his full name, uh, was pretty telling about, and this is actually a strength of him as an owner. I think is that he is more hands off, right? He talked about how, like in business, you hire a lawyer to do law things, right? They went to law school. They know legal stuff. I hire Kevin Pritchard because he knows basketball things, right? He used to be a coach and a player, he knows basketball stuff. He knows people, right? He is pretty hands-off as an owner in general. Not as much as he used to be, but he's pretty hands-off as an owner. Uh, and he said he still has a lot of trust in KP, and I didn't even know this. Uh, the the breaking news from Fieldhouse Files today, Kevin Pritchard got an extension this past summer. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so it seems yeah. like his relationship with Pritchard is strong, which is important because you have to kind of have that trust in your guy if you are going change, to change directions or what, what – sorry, build on the go as the season progresses. <laughs> there you go
0: now we'll have to add that to the lexicon like the three t's and all <laughs> those the different go. things yeah <laughs> disagree agree and unite and like all, all those different variables there's only a couple things that i think he admittedly completely dodged and one of them was, was when i asked him about team culture and identity and maybe that's he's just unaware he's not informed about that but to me that's one of the biggest issues right now is they lack a team identity and I don't think the culture has been where it, where it needs to be. Um and a lot of that quite honestly in my opinion is because the changing of the guard and the fact that Donnie who he loves gone, Larry who he loves basically gone. I use Dan Burke, maybe I'm a little biased towards him, I was around him for 20 years. I know what kind of impact he has. He's gone. Um who's la- hey, Peter Denwitty Pushed out, gone. I don't know who is left from that successful era. So that's what I was getting at there. And he didn't get too much into that. And I also thought, I think it was you who asked a good question. I was hoping for more details on was the impact specifically in terms of the pandemic. He could even mention, hey, look, because of that, the renovations were pushed up. That's a good thing. But would have also liked for him to mention uh, you know, challenges with attendance or challenges with the business side of things. And I get it. There's a lot of things either you don't want to address or you don't want to push off within a message. Right. And part of that, part of today's message I viewed as there's been some belief around the league is, Oh, look, there's a fire sale going on at, in Indianapolis. Everything it must go basically. And again, going back to, I think Tony, the start of this conversation is that was what he was trying to say. Hey, look, not at all. And maybe this is a little bit strategic, right? Because you throw sure. out any leverage you have if you say, hey, we're trading guys. Come come at them. We'll take best offer. So that's what I viewed in there. But at the same time, I, I think he would be crazy if he thinks no changes need to be made, even if this for the yeah. sake of the individual. There's several players, quite honestly, on this team, I think are almost begging for just a fresh start, a fresh opportunity. And it might be best for the Pacers as well, right?
1: and a lot of those players are they're okay with the fresh opportunity being here which I think is interesting and one of those players has become very public in Turner but yeah I agree with you that it's strategic and and it's weird because I think a lot of the quotes read as like Herb Simon is going to maintain the status quo and they're going to be the the same old pacers and I get why they read that way but I also don't think that's what he was trying to say like he had a specific quote about like yeah, like we will change stuff if we need to. And the season goes that way. Like that's why he was, he talking got about back.
0: It. He got back to that at the very end. And I'm glad yeah. he did because you're right. The first one of the, I think it was like the second question, maybe it was Greg that says, so does this mean it's status quo? And I didn't think that was at all what he was getting at, but that's how he answered at least right. early on. And, but then he, he changed the course. And I think adequately expressed how he felt and th- that considerations were absolutely on the table because they have to be.
1: But the but the problem for fans will always be to me again that he had some answers that just disconnect with how they feel including yes. the biggest one straight up asked was it you I don't remember herb do you think this is a playoff team and he said definitely yes he thinks this is a playoff team and I, you know we're all in the room like you're 13th right now no one said that but you know I, that was pretty surprising <laughs> to me and the little smart and, and then at least someone followed
0: up and says still. Because I I would agree at the beginning of the season, I would have said the same thing. And in large part, nobody, even the front office, could have seen uh, the the brutal schedule. TJ Warren still not playing. When is he going to play? Certainly not this month. Um, And all all the other factors that have gone to everything. So with all that said, I still would have said they're a playoff team. Just any more. Right
1: now, they're not playing like it. So absolutely not. The little spark plug... Team line is already a meme in my mentions. It took a few hours it, <laughs> for that yeah. to become the case. <laughs> the like,
0: little spark club and and something else little. I'm very proud of this little team. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. That, I was talking with someone. I think that's just kind of his vernacular. He's 87. It's probably right. how
1: it's probably in his lexicon. So if I had to zoom out and, and do my takeaways, I've kept you one minute over how long I told you, Scott. Sorry, You're I terrible. would say that Herb is not going to rebuild. We knew that already, and he's making that very clear. But I also think he kind of said. He understands that the franchise is not necessarily at its highest point right now, and changes might be coming if they're needed. That's how I would sum it up. Uh, but that's pretty high level for a long meeting like that. Yeah,
0: I don't agree with that last point—that it's at Ooh. a highest point or it's good or we're in, not um, at highest point. Did I did I say highest point? I, mean, I I've heard. I've had to listen back to a lot of audio today, so maybe <laughs> maybe it's just me, right? Going a little bit crazy here, but yeah, I, how I, I I thought he was overly optimistic is That's how true, I, would, I agree. I would put it in some of which I understand, but also when talking to your fans directly for the first time in let's say a decade because nobody knows for sure. in fact, past that nobody's been on the beat. So we we don't have right. like with like uh, a long-standing someone to point to here. but I thought he was too optimistic on some fronts where he needed to not only accept but say, hey fans, I hear you, I know where you're coming from. And that's on us. Not that there was any blame, but it almost felt like there needed to be some acceptance of we fell short. And the only time I could sense a little bit of that is when I mashed about the draft. It it was great. It goes, Yeah, I think we stubbed our toes. Stubbed our toes. (laughs) You you might have had surgery a couple of times. TJ Leafs over in the Chinese Basketball Association.
1: I typed stubbed our toes in all caps in my notes. I thought I wanted to use that one in my story. That was my favorite line. Scott's already got a story about this. Scott, where can people find it and all your stuff in general? Most people already know, but still, floor's yours.
0: Yeah, as the graphic said, at Scott Agnes on Twitter. Here we go, late night. Wow. Uh, Field field House Files podcast and subscribe at FieldHouseFiles.com.
1: Must subscribe. That's where what I get the information that I share to Scott, where he says in his story about Kevin Pritchard's contract extension. So if you haven't read his story and want to know more about that thing that I just said, that's where it is. Of course, this podcast at Locked On Pacers and me at T St But stick around because I'm going to talk by myself about the Pacers Bucks game that just happened. I don't even want to call it a game. Why? It was awful. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a fourth quarter to forget because this is a yeah, show it. about basketball. Damn, it. I'm not going to skip. The Did back.
0: not go well bucks trump pacers yet again period
1: yeah it was the same as every pacers bucks game for the last three years of yeah life. <laughs> i feel
0: bad i guarantee you last thing that there were some pacer fans that thought this is my chance to make money all the Bex- bucks <laughs> players are out there is no chance they don't win and they lost the money and i feel bad for them that's why
1: vegas is rich horrible fourth quarter and let's talk about it stick stick around for more One more break so I can talk to you guys about the good people over at Truebill because did you know a lot of free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap, and your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. They have saved over 2 million users. They have over 2 million users and have helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash Go right now. Truebill.com slash NBA can save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash Big thanks to Scott for his time. Now let's talk about the actual basketball game Unfortunately, from the Pacers' perspective, that took plates uh, last night. pacers Bucks in Milwaukee, and if you look at who's not playing for the Bucks, you would think that this game story tells itself, right? Milwaukee out before this game started. It was announced Giannis Antetokounmpo, DeMarcus Cousins, Dante DiVincenzo, Semi Ojale, Brooke Lopez, and Wesley Matthews, and Chris Middleton all would not play. That team, that, that seven guys I just named would be a good team in the NBA, none of those guys played. Against the Pacers in this game, the Pacers had Justin Holiday back. Uh, they lost Torrey Craig for this one; he was out with a non-COVID illness. Goga's in the G League, but same team they had last week, basically plus Justin Holiday, and they got absolutely smoked. One fourteen ninety nine was the loss. Let's talk about this game. I forgot to say thank you for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today, and hopefully every day. Pacers were tied after one quarter, down five at halftime, tied going into the fourth quarter. Right, so it seems like an overreaction to be really thumping on. A 15-point loss. Obviously, all those guys being out makes it a bad loss. By default, they had more talent than the Bucks team that was playing. Drew, Drew Holiday was unbelievably good for the Bucs. He was a plus 19. Like he absolutely dominated. And Bobby Portis is good. And Connaughton and Grayson Allen can kind of do some stuff. But like Jordan Wara started for the Bucs, and their bench was two two-way guys, and Rodney Hood and George Hill's okay. But like they did not have a good enough team to be what the Pacers had. And they thoroughly dominated this Pacers team. No one had it for the Pacers, right? In the first half. LaVert had, I think he had 16 at the break. Uh, I'm going to check my own tweets to see if I tweeted who was leading the way at halftime. Um, but he finished with 16 points, right? He did, yeah, Levert had 16 at halftime and finished with 16. So he did not score in the second half. So his 16-point game is kind of marred by when he scored it. Sabonis finishes with 16 and 14. He was pretty good, but his defense was a little suspect, and he had five turnovers. Right, the Bucs were getting into the paint. No problem in this game. The point of attack defense was an absolute joke. The Bucs had 48 points in the paint with like there, no one who could attack the lane extremely well. It was extremely easy for them to get in into the paint and score over whoever was there. Miles Turner had thirteen points on five for twelve shooting, one for five from deep. Did not assert himself in the way that he was last week. Duarte was four for nine with ten points. Brogdon was four for ten with twelve points. So yeah, they had the balance. They were they were sharing the balls of starting five, and all of them were in double figures, but none of them were actually hitting shots that well. None of them were hitting threes hardly at all, and those five guys combined for 14 of the Pacers' 18 turnovers. So the Pacers' starting five, supposed to be their unit, that can guide them to a win against a team missing a bunch of its players, was, was just atrocious in this game. Justin Holiday, in his first game back, only played 19 and a half minutes, five points, hit 1-3, uh, What was just fine. O'Shea Brissett is like the only bench player who can provide any energy now with, with McConnell out. He was probably the Pacers' best player in this game, if I had to say. Brad Wanamaker had a nice stretch at one point in the first half. He actually had five points, four rebounds, five assists. He might have been the best bench player in this game. One of him and Brissette, but no one really played up to their level in this game. Keelan Martin shot the ball decently well. Uh, So some of the bench guys were at least okay. And, you know, those were the guys that ended up getting the Pacers to tie this game up at the end of the third. But the starters were just atrocious. They could not do anything in this game. And then in the fourth, the, the spirit of the Pacers was just gone. They scored 12 points in the fourth quarter. They gave up 27. This game was really close. Uh, until about the you know, the eight-minute mark, I would say, in the fourth. Uh, it was 9.15 to go, uh, and there was a technical foul, and then the Bucks just ran away from it for the final eight minutes of this game. Yeah, 8.12 to go was when that tech happened. The Pacers were down by one point. It was 92-93 at that point. Pacers would score seven points the rest of the way. The Bucks would score 21. So that was when the game really kind of changed was that moment. Not to say the foul actually changed anything, but at that point – Right There were some subs. Lavert came in. Sabonis came in. And the starters, like I said, were not good in this game. So they just couldn't get it done. And on a day where Herb Simon is talking about really kind of not not believing in the way that it's kind of been portrayed, but he has faith in this team. He thinks it can be a playoff team. He doesn't necessarily think a rebuild is needed at this time, per se. They come out and just stink it up, and no one looked good. And, like, this isn't even the – this game was weird because, like, the Pacers always lose to the Bucks, And it, it, some of it is, yes, Giannis and Chris – are just the perfect kryptonites for the Pacers in general. And some of it is the way the Bucs play. And, you know, I thought that I was joking with Ty Windish, who hosts a Bucks podcast before this game, the Eurostep. I said, even with those guys out, I still kind of joking. I was like, no, the Bucs could still win. And he was like, no way. And the Bucs did win because there's some element of the way these teams match up that, yeah, the Bucs have some advantage of. The Pacers still should have dominated. This is not ex- – I'm not excusing the way they played. I'm just ex- explaining that this matchup pretty poor, and yet they still should have won. And they, they, they just had no – spirit and fight in this game. But all that was to say that this was kind of unlike any Pacers performance I've seen this season. Like I get some deja vu sometimes with some of their losses this year where, you know, they have one stinky run in the second quarter and then it's a close game at the end and they lose close or, you know, they they have a nice spirited win against a good team. But but this one I just, this was like the most, and maybe it was just the fourth quarter, right? They were really tied after three quarters, which still, again, against this Bucks team that was playing, they should have been up after three quarters, but in general, it wasn't so bad until the fourth, but I, that was the most unrecognizable I've seen them all season was that fourth quarter, I think. I mean, they, they were, they weren't even like, they had no identity at all. We've, we've heard that phrase a million times. They couldn't get the ball where it needed to go, and this is something that I always talk about when they're struggling. And it's so fascinating to me when this kind of stuff happens. I always say, we don't get into the paint enough, right? They're just moving around the perimeter. They're not going inside out to get the better open shots, or they're not being as selective with their threes. And remember something I said about the Pacers that was helping them a lot during their winning streak last week was they were taking fewer threes. They were a little bit more selective with those shots. In this game, 38 threes, not as selective. They kind of went away from – 38 38's not like so many. That's not even that bad, but – you know, they, they went away a little bit from what was making them hum. 54 points in the paint is still very good, but they couldn't get the assist numbers and, and, and have that inside-out sort of play that's been working for them. So while in that fourth quarter, they were kind of playing the way they should have through the first three quarters on offense. Fourth quarter, that just totally went away. And what makes that so, so weird to me as a viewer is like, sometimes you can ask guys like, why do they go away from it? And they know why they go away from it and then they fix it. Or like it happens every so often, whatever. It's happening all the time all the time they just go away from something that makes this Pacers team good, right? Getting into the paint, moving it around, having guys who the, what is the the point 5 rule as it's been coined so many times, dribble shoot pass really quickly on the catch and make the defense move around and then get advantageous positions and that's how their guards can score. Sabonis can be brilliant and create with his screens or whatever he does with the ball or, you know, Brogdon's been a lot better on drives this year. Like they have ways that driving to the basket and getting into the paint is so successful for them and then just for some reason for extended stretches, and in this game it was the fourth quarter where they also stunk on defense, they just completely abandon it, and then after the game they go, oh, you know, we went away from what we're good at, and it doesn't make sense why that happens all the time. How do they get away from it? Why can't they go back to it? What is the mental block for them that makes this such a common thing? It's bef- it's it's baffling for a team that – Should be better than this, right? Every stat says they should be better than 12 and 18, but every result they have and loss in the game, you you watch the game and you go, yep, they should have lost that game. They deserved it. So it's a very weird team. Being 12 and 18 is certainly not where they wanted to be. And you'll look back at the end of the season and say they lost to the Bucs in Milwaukee and not even think twice about this game, right? But in the moment right now, it looks awful. They lost to a Bucs team that had nobody, nobody. This is an opportunity for... You know the Pacers to catch up to their win total in theory. right? They're playing a team that is usually better than them but shouldn't be on paper in this game, and they couldn't do it. They could not play Pacers basketball when the game mattered and get a win, which is sort of emblematic of their season, but it was also one of their least recognizable performances. And even on defense, somewhere where they've been at least manageably good this year and kind of getting back closer to their identity where they were a top six defense two seasons ago, Drew Holiday got into the paint whenever he wanted. Just strolled on in. A couple dribbles, he was in the paint, right? And he could get his, the ball to his teammates from there. He had 14 assists, right? He could score himself. He had 26 points. Bobby Portis was on cleanup duty a lot inside. Three offensive rebounds plus some easy duck-ins. Pat Connaughton was wide open for threes on kickouts from his drives. Rodney Hood as well was open on mostly in the first quarter for Hood. But, you know, that the Bucks have an identity in a way they like to play. And even without their stars, without the right guys, they kept doing it. They gave the ball to the best player on their team and said, get into the paint and make it happen. And they did it, and it worked. And the Pacers' point of attack defense was a joke all night. They started a double-drew late in this game. But they have to play the way that they know works for them the whole game. They can't go away from it. They can't lack that force on defense the whole game. They have to play the way that the Pacers are good at. And for some reason, they didn't do it in this game, and I feel like I'm beating the same talking points over and over, but when you lose 18 times in ways that are very familiar, right, this reminded me a lot of the Heat loss with no Bam and Jimmy, or the Nuggets loss with no Jokic, Murray Porter, and some of that's like, yeah, they lost to an, a, an opposing team that was missing stars. Like, the parallels are obvious, but it's also the way it happens where they just, they had the life sucked out of them, and they're not they're not moving the ball with a purpose, they're just moving it because they're supposed to. It's like they're going through the motions. It's like they're completely on autopilot and not thinking about what they're doing or not making the other team react. They're just doing what they're supposed to do in a game. It's sort of soulless. It's very strange. They play the Pistons tonight, an opportunity to turn it around very quickly and make people forget. And after that Pistons game, they have five days off. Huge opportunity in the season. They've played the most games in the league or like right up against the most games in the league. Five days off all at home. Huge opportunity for them to really get right. And if they can get a win and have a better vibe and mentality – through that five game stretch. I hate that I say vibe on like every podcast now, by the way. If they can really nail out how the team is feeling mentally through that stretch, beating Detroit would be huge. It's a tough game on a back to back, but they should be better than the Pistons without Jeremy Grant. The Pistons beat the Pacers once. The Pacers should win this game and they need to. I'll talk about it tomorrow. And again, this week has been, these last couple weeks have been full of Pacers news and content, and I've had some awesome guests. Tomorrow's is also awesome. So I'll have one segment alone talking about the Pistons game and then a fun one talking about the future of the Pacers. So thank you guys for listening, hearing more about what Herb Simon had to say and how the Pacers could not do anything to beat a Bucks team without their stars. If you need more information about the Pacers, at Locked on, Pacers on Twitter for this podcast, at T-East NBA to communicate with me. Thank you guys a ton for listening. Hope you had a great day, and we will see you tomorrow.